Hi, I'm Emily Bellet, the founder of Vespot.com, a thriving community that financially empowers women and author of the Amazon bestseller, You're Not Broke, You're Pre-Rich. And this is The Wallet. The Wallet is here to help you make better financial decisions by talking honestly about money. I'll be sharing my best tips, inspiring you to take charge of your financial futures and talking to an array of awesome guests from all walks of life, employees, freelancers, entrepreneurs, and money experts. It's time to open the wallet again. Are you looking to buy your first property, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you already have some savings and you want to learn more about the home buying and mortgage process. Jade Van Riel is a property influencer and she became a homeowner at the age of 23 without help from her parents. She first started working at 16 and saved until she had enough for a deposit. Today, Jade is talking about her early money memories and her money mindset. She shares with me the simple habits she adopted to help her save money and get on the property ladder as soon as possible. We talk about how to be in the best position to buy your home, saving and spending money, working with mortgage brokers, the home buying process, mistakes she's made, managing your emotions in the process, and how to decorate on a budget. For Jade, everyone can buy a property. So if you're considering it, listen to Jade's super empowering journey. Thank you for listening. Hello, Jade. Hello, Emily. How are you today? I'm really, really good, thank you. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. Yeah, managing, managing okay. Yeah. How was your lockdown? It's, you know what, it's gone through different uh, phases. At the beginning, it was very much everything cancelled work-wise, everything on pause. But I think I adjusted and I used that time to really hone in on my social media presence. And now, currently, I'd say that things are getting back to normal. I think I'm lucky in terms of the areas that I work in, like property and interiors, have had to continue and adjust whilst being online. So luckily for me, things are getting back to some kind of normality. But it was hard. It was very hard. Yeah, I, I imagine. Um, I mean, I guess people now are, you know, want to get on the, on the property ladder, but, you know, potentially their finances have been really squeezed uh, yeah. during lockdown. Uh, I think it, it depends if you manage to keep your job and work. And if you don't have children, maybe you've been able to work, even if it was a really hard time. But for some people, I think, you know, the the expectations of buying a home in the next few years may have been postponed by another, you know, five years potentially. Yeah. yeah. So today I want to talk about buying a home, buying your first home. You got on the property ladder very young at age 23, I think. Yeah. 23. So can you tell us what, you know, what's your story? Where do you come from and how you, how did you manage to do that? Yeah, sure. So it, I always have to go back a little bit because I always try to make it clear that I wasn't this person that always said my money is going to be for a house. So I've always worked, um, had part-time jobs during college and university. And I grew up in a, in a sense that my parents weren't together, but they were both very influential in my life. So my mom is very chilled, very relaxed, go with the flow. And my dad is very much every penny that you make, don't waste it, put it into savings. So I had that battle growing up. And luckily, I did listen to my dad in some, some areas and other areas, I was really relaxed. And and so throughout the years, I was saving my part-time job money. And when I was at uh, university, I studied law. 
And um, about my second year, I realised I didn't want to continue my legal career and do postgrad studying, and I would just get into a job. And at the time, whilst I was at uni, I had saved a, a decent amount, but I didn't actually know what it was for at that point. It was only when I had left uni and I felt really independent and I started getting good jobs that I realised I wanted my own home. And for me, it was always the natural progression to buy my home because that's what I, I mean, my mom was a single mom, a young mom at that, and she struggled to um, buy her council flat. And so that was just something that I thought, well, that's what I have to do. I have to struggle in a sense to buy a home. That's how it's going to happen. It's not going to just come to me. So that was always a thing, but I, I did, it didn't happen straight away. I had two years after uni where I really just focused on saving everything I could in my in my jobs. And that is what sort of amped up my savings to be able to even start looking at homes. Wow, that, that, that's fantastic. I love that you talk about your, you know, early relationship with, with money. Yeah. So what, what's money for you today? We'll come back to the, the home buying and, and what you do today. But what's, what's money for you? And, and growing up, so you had this different conversation about money. But do, do you think you build like sort of healthy habits around, around money, especially around saving money? I think I was actually scared to to be bad with money because I've seen what that can do. I've seen what that looks like. I've seen what being in debt looks like. And so I've always had that fear of falling into that place. And I also was quite early on realized how easy that can happen. Actually, when we are just trying to get by or we're not making enough money to cover our expenses. So I was always someone that was I didn't overspend in certain things for because of that fear. So when a lot of friends and people were traveling, I wasn't. <laughs> you know, when you go on your first holidays with your friends, I wasn't doing any of that. And I wasn't buying expensive things. I was very much just like a budgeted person because of that fear of overspending and not having anything left. So I think in some ways that's positive, but it also means that I was walking around with this fear constantly. <laughs> but I had, you know, my dad who was, the person who he's uh he's always been an entrepreneur he's always worked for himself and he's always he's quite a hands-on person and he knows so much so he would always tell me you know save all of your money and to me that was unrealistic and because I lived with my mom who was very much relaxed she would kind of say you know well no I want you to be happy too like you worked for this money so do what you like so it was hard to kind of find what actually works for me and I did have periods of time where I did spend all of my savings and then have this guilt constant guilt just looming over me and eventually it just became unbearable that I would just stop overspending the money that I was saving so I think I've had an interesting journey with money and I think I've been made aware of money quite early and what it can do for you. Right. And and today do you I guess you you have a healthier potentially relationship with money. Yeah. Do, do you actively manage your money? Do you have sort of financial goals? What are the 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 tools you're using and did you like proactively educate yourself on the topic of money? Yeah. So I think today, well, as soon as I did buy my home, I completely, all of my money management went out the window other than managing it in terms of, okay, this month I'm going to buy this furniture and et cetera. But in terms of saving and everything that all, it was like I had to completely start all over again, considering I had been doing it for so long because you actually, I was so young as well. You actually just want to relax for a little bit. So I did that for, I gave myself a couple of years to just relax, to do my home and do me before having to think about what's next. Um, because I have that 
personality of always thinking about what's next, what's next, and not enjoying where I'm currently at. So where I'm at now, a couple of years down, I am back into the place of saving again for another property. And how I manage my money, I love a good spreadsheet, personally. I, I know there are so many apps and cool bank accounts out there, and I do have a few. So I, I do use a Starling account, which I love because I can kind of put my money into pots, which is something I was doing years ago in a normal bank account. I was creating separate accounts and naming them. So it's great to see that there are these accounts that do that for you now. But I do love a traditional um spreadsheet I love I, I like writing things down as well I'm quite traditional in that way I like to see things written down and it, it kind of sticks in my head more when I write things down or see the numbers there so that's how I manage my money now and of course I'm now self-employed so you've got that on top of the mix <laughs> which is a whole other journey in itself of managing the money in that way yeah, yeah, I I completely agree with you. It's it's fantastic to hear you on your route to your second property. You spoke at a Vespot event a few a few months ago, and yeah. and you mentioned that already. And I think people in the audience were really impressed by you know your your drive and understanding how did you manage to save money from a very uh, very young age, and basically being super committed to your goal. Uh, yeah. So I think having a goal is fantastic, but then how do you get there? Because yeah. Now, I mean, especially if you live in London, if you live in big cities, uh, of course, you know, property prices have been coming down, but still, like, it's, still it's, it's really hard to afford yeah. the property if you can't have any help from, from anyone. Yeah. You need to save quite a lot of money for your deposit and there's yeah. a lot of hidden costs. So how, you know, did you get started? Do you think anyone can do it? And do you think property is still um you know this like gold uh, asset that that everyone wants absolutely so first of all i have to just clarify everyone can buy a property absolutely everyone i absolutely hate when i see the media and it's just so many negative stories about it's impossible and everyone can buy a property but you know what sort of makes the difference is how determined you are as an individual and how much you actually are willing to put into it or sacrifice. But at the end of the day, it's not rocket science. It's a very straightforward um, journey to buy property, but it just depends on the person. So for me, I get asked all the time, well, how much should I be saving? And my answer is always, well, if I look at my own experience and what I did, I saved absolutely everything that I did not need outside of traveling and food. And mind you, I was also paying a small amount of rent where I was living at my aunt's house in a bedroom. So after all of those necessities, I was saving absolutely everything. So there wasn't a, you know, I'm only going to save this much or a percentage of my salary. It was everything else. So you have to be really determined. And that depends on how long you want to wait until you buy your home but everyone can absolutely do it and I think that it is just about really being honest with yourself and sitting down and saying I want to own a home and being realistic about the fact that it is going to take a lot of sacrificing if you have no help and if you want to do it within the next couple of years absolutely there will be a lot of things that you'll have to put on hold for the time being which I know a lot of young people are fearful of but I'm still quite young now I just turned 27 and I'm able to live my life and I'm working towards my next property so it just shows you that you know you can get back on track with your life and social life right afterwards but I think it's, it's a short-term sacrifice for a long-term gain yeah 
and we we can all do it and, yeah. and that's also what you're showing your to your followers on, yes. on your like super cool youtube channel on instagram because now you've moved also from i mean of course you bought your property but what's what's next and yeah. actually you know decorating making it your your home yeah because the the flat you 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 bought maybe wasn't initially like your dream property in no. uh, needed <laughs> a bit of work so how do you what are the first steps for, you know, someone who wants to get on the property ladder? How do you, you know, choose a property? What do you need to put in place before you, you know, you, you start this journey? Yes. So the first thing is you want to start saving and um, there isn't really a perfect time to save. I think as soon as you have an idea that you would like to own a property one day, start saving. That amount changes depending on how quick you want it, but you just everyone needs to start saving something. You can have a chat with a mortgage broker. I recommend mortgage brokers. I, I went through that route and I find, found it really helpful. You can speak to them early on if you're not sure how much you need or how far along the journey you are. And they can give you an idea of how much more you need to save for X amount of property. So have those conversations and, and plan out and set those goals for yourself. When you are in a place where you've got enough money, everything's prepared. So, you know, you you have your salary, you have your credit score in a good place, everything's in a good place, which your mortgage broker will advise you on what you need. Once you're in a good place, the mortgage broker will tell you to start looking for your home. And that in itself is a whole other journey. And I went through it. <laughs> I saw so many properties. And I think the reason why I end up seeing so many is because I was very rigid on the area of the property and what it looked like. Even though I knew I always wanted a project because I grew up in homes that were renovated. I didn't ever grow up in new homes that were perfect. I saw my nan, my mom, my dad changing things and making it their own. So I knew I would definitely wanted to do that, but I didn't know how much I was willing to do until I found this home, which the bones of the prop of the flat was perfect in terms of the size. And so I knew that I had to get it, even though it looked horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> there are there are so many more things that are more important than what the property looks like because if you're anything like me you will change what it looks like anyway so I would just kind of move that side of in terms of visuals to the side and look at the sizes and look at the property in terms of you know five years from now if you're going to live here will you outgrow the space will the space or location still work for you and you know if you're buying a flat what is the service charge like because you're not only paying for a mortgage you're paying bills you're paying council tax you're paying service charge if it's a flat if it's a house you're not so it's that affordability aspect as well which plays a huge part in terms of what you end up choosing so basically you had to save for your deposit and you also saved for for the renovation yes. and all the, all the costs so basically when you map out sort of the buying process you, you have to list uh, all these costs yes you need to oversave. you need to have another budget um save much more than your actual deposit so it doesn't just end with your deposit because you will have a lot of things to pay for as soon as you open the door and move in you can't run away from it i did luckily i had a few thousand um, to do those things, but I didn't do anything straight away. I mean, it's, I've been here four years now, exactly. And I only just did my bathroom the end of last year. So I, I budgeted everything and did things slowly because I didn't have, you know, 30,000 pounds to just do everything at once. So each month I dedicated my money towards a certain thing, whether it was my flooring or my bed or my sofa, those things came months after moving in here. 
So it's just about that organization and just having that pot of money because you'll definitely need it. And because basically, once you you get your your deposit, uh, you you I mean, I get you you got a mortgage uh, to buy the property, and then the rest is all your your extra saving. Yeah. Uh, but can can you talk a little bit about the the mortgage process, how easy, I know it was four years ago, the market yeah. has changed a little bit, but what is this, the mortgage process? How it, how does it work with the mortgage, potentially refinancing? So what's your journey buying this property? The mortgage process for me, surprisingly, was very simple because when I got my mortgage out, I was actually a contractor at work. So I didn't have, you know, a a full-term contract. I I was, I I think at the time I had six months left on my contract. And I thought that that was going to be a really big hurdle for me. But the mortgage broker, which is why I recommend them, they're so used to different scenarios, self-employed people, et cetera, that it was fine. I just needed proof of a contract that I could afford, you know, the mortgage, et cetera. And that was absolutely fine. So once I got past that stage, my mortgage broker took everything that I had from my salary to my credit score to, you know, the kind of budget that I had, the amount of money I had saved and basically just showed me, right, you can borrow up to this amount. A rule of thumb, I would say, is you can borrow about four and a half to five times your salary, but that does change depending on your credit score, how much deposit you have, what your salary is. So all of those three things and your mortgage um, rate, they all work in tandem together. That I would say if you're starting out, think about four to five times your salary at the moment. It was actually very straightforward. And I think that's because I had a mortgage broker who took everything on and just said to me, go and start looking. This is the budget you have. When you find a home, come back to me and then we can get it sorted. And I got a mortgage in principle very early, which is just that. It's like when you go to university and you get an offer, um, an, an a conditional offer. If you get these grades, you'll have this space at this university. It's the same thing. If you find a property up to this price, we will give you the mortgage. So it, it certifies that everything's been checked out. You are reliable. You are worthy of having a mortgage. And that is something that these days you need um, in the property market because there is so many, so much competition. I remember my dad being so shocked because he'd never heard of it in his life. When he bought his home, there were no, there were no such thing as gazumping and competition on a property where it's so different now. There are like so many people to one house. So those kinds of things actually help when you put an offer in on a property that is sort of, a backbone. And funny enough, for me, when I put an offering on my flat, I was not the highest offer at all. But they chose me because I had that mortgage and principal there, which showed them that I was ready to go that I was all checked out in comparison to someone else who may have offered much more, but there was no proof or certificate, so to speak, that they were ready to go. So those things really help you on your journey. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I also work with, um, I mean, with my husband, we worked with a mortgage broker a few years ago when we when we bought our, our property. And I think for me, what was super useful also was to look in debt at my finances. Yes. Because for most people, that's going to be the first time where you're actually yeah. obliged to, 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 to force to do it because they're like, okay, can you send me your your pay slips? Can you send me your P60? Uh, what is your net worth? What are your assets? What are your debts? Uh, and that can be super scary. So if you're thinking about buying a house, even if in a few years time, just try to you know put all your numbers together, um, find, find out all these numbers for yourself because that 
can become, I mean, this first meeting with mortgage broker, they, I mean, they're usually um, super efficient, but that can be slightly overwhelming. I don't know how it was for you. And especially if you buy with, with your partner, if you buy with someone, and if you never had any conversation about money, you feel like, wow, naked. <laughs> no, you're right. And I think also to add to that is your credit score. Because a lot of people don't ever look at that until they need it, right? So this could be a scenario where you may be looking at your credit score, so to speak, for the first time in depth. So you want to make sure that, you know, you are on your electoral roll. You want to make sure that you are familiar with everything that's on your credit file because there could be some mistakes. And my dad had a, a mistake go on to his just last month, you know, and it takes a couple of months sometimes to get it off. So you want to make sure that you are familiar with everything on that credit file and um, you're in a good place. And yeah, be familiar with all of your your income or your outgoings, any debts that you have. You don't want any surprises on that day that could delay you. Yeah, it's it's an interesting point on the on the credit score, and, and many people have asked, you know, do I need a, a credit card to to build up my credit score? Actually, we all already have a a, a credit yeah. score uh, because you've been starting to pay your bills and stuff. So, I mean, how often do you look at your credit score, and what do you do to make sure it's like top notch and it's always outstanding? If you have a few uh, a few tips, I think that we should be looking at it. It depends. I think if there hasn't been a lot going on for you, maybe every couple of months, I'm just someone that I look at it every month just to be on top of it and make sure there isn't anything going wrong. Like I said, especially now I'm aware that it can happen to anyone in terms of like a company can ruin your credit by accident because that's literally what happened with him with the company, my dad. So I, I would suggest looking at that all the time. And a lot of people don't know that being on the electoral roll where they live actually changes that as well because it shows that you're a stable person with with an address. So make sure you are on that as well. So that's not, you know, a blocker or a delay on your score. And um, there are so many free like Experian and so on and Clear Score that you can use that gives you a high level version of what's on there. And I, I think you should be looking at that regularly. To be honest, I do. I look at mine regularly and I make sure, you know, things if you have outstanding um, payments or if you are in a situation where you can't pay something, pick up the phone and make that those agreements um, and arrangements because that makes a difference. Sometimes if you just leave things um, that you're unable to afford and, you know, you've got this debt that actually is negatively affecting your credit file. So, setting up things like that can actually help you. And um, like you said, sometimes people get credit cards. I did. My dad recommended I, I got one. I'd never had one up to that point. And if you are going to get one, I recommend using it, but making sure you pay things back as well, just to, sh just to build up that relationship and that view of you with money. Because ideally, it's not only about what you earn and how much money you have as a deposit these days it's about your affordability and your you know your your image in terms of your money so they can see your affordability and if you are someone that constantly goes out and we can see you at Nobu and Hakkasan and everywhere all the time it will just look to them like well these this is part of what you you spend and they look at the rest of your money can you afford a mortgage and you don't want the sake of you going to restaurants to trump what you can afford so leading up to that point of buying your home you need to paint yourself as the the perfect person really that can afford your mortgage but yeah those are some of the things that are really important to consider yeah no that it's really really important i wanted to ask you about we talked a lot about savings and how to save but 
in practice, like especially for first time buyer, what are the best ways to save money? Because people may have, you know, saving accounts. Uh, they have obviously current accounts. Um, there's also some ISA. So what do you do uh, in practice with this money? So obviously we're not giving any financial advice, but I believe it's important that people understand the, the right product because some, some financial products can actually help you depending on your personal circumstances. They can help you get faster to your goals. So what did you use and, and what are like in the environment, the financial environment, the different products? Yeah, so what I used, I actually did try to use the help to buy ISA. When I was looking for my home, it came out that the January of 2016. But I actually didn't end up having my money in long enough to, to actually gain anything in the end. So if you have one already, I highly recommend you use it especially the lifetime ISA as well, which I think is a great way to save. It shouldn't be your only savings because you can't save enough realistically for a deposit in London, but it should be one of your savings accounts. And the reason for that is because, one, that it's quite strict in that you you get penalised if you try to take your money out for anything else other than your deposit, which I think is amazing if you need that extra push. You actually, in the end, after the, the amount of years that you would need in your need to have it to qualify for the most money back it can be four thousand pounds just from using that that account so i think anything that you you have already or can open that is going to sort of give you money back and amp up your savings in a in a quicker way definitely i definitely would recommend using that and I set up standing orders. So when I was saving, I was doing things quite normal and traditional. To be honest, there wasn't a lot of um, amazing tools that there are today to help you save. But I set up standing orders um, for set days. And that for me was a game changer because I am someone, if I'm manually moving money, I, I just manually move it back to my current account and spend it. So I, I had to make things harder for myself, but easier Harder for myself to, to touch, but easier for myself to save, if that makes sense. You need to understand the kind of person you are when it comes to money. If you are someone that lacks discipline, then you want to make it harder for yourself to, to spend. And if you're someone that enjoys saving, then this will be really fun for you. Because actually, once you start seeing you know, numbers in your zeros in your account, it actually becomes very fun. And you start looking for different ways to save more things to do that you can save from cutting back on unnecessary things that you spend on every day. I was doing things like, you know, bringing in meal prep lunches to work. Um, because I worked in central London, things are so expensive to eat lunch. And thank God I haven't had to do that for a year since being self-employed because my account is so happy now. But those things can be very expensive. So you want to sort of analyze everything that you have coming in and everything you have coming out and then be honest about what is the best way to save for you. I think you're right. It's it's trying to see saving as something quite positive, more, more like an opportunity or yeah. reward. So it's not like, you know, I'm not spending. So, you know, I, I, I can't afford it. it. It's actually, okay, I'm, I, I make a choice, a conscious choice of not buying this because I'm going to put this money into a saving account uh, and this will be used to buy something much yeah. bigger. But it's really hard. <laughs> it's really, it's really hard to save. But you know, having a goal with like a date, uh, a very specific yeah. amount of money, uh, I, I guess that that's really helpful. Absolutely, I think you, you know, you have to view it as your future self will absolutely love you for what you're doing right now. 
100% and you will be so happy you won't regret it you will never regret it I was so young and as soon as I got in here it was all worth it I would have done it more if I had to if it meant you know getting to this point so absolutely you will never regret it and make it fun you know I I mean during the process during those harder times when I did see friends going out and buying this and traveling and I wasn't my focus was home interiors and that's what my love for home interiors began there because I was constantly looking online at things I was going to do for my home and making it really realistic and keeping the goal and the vision in my mind constantly. So those are the kinds of things that that could help you stay on track. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about decoration. But before, I think over like running the Vespod workshops and, and, you know, during our events, a lot of women ask me, okay, I don't have enough money to buy a big flat, but I'm planning to have children someday. Um, you know, I, I want to get married or not, whatever. So should I buy now for myself something that's smaller, even if I live there just for a few years? Or actually, should I wait? What's your view on that? My view on that is to buy now for so many reasons. Well, one, I feel like if women are in a position where they they can buy something, they should do it. Because, for example, I'm planning to buy my second home with my my boyfriend next year and let's say during all this time I didn't actually buy my flat I would have my savings but I'd probably be renting somewhere which means I'd probably be spending my savings or not being able to save on top of that right and not only that but the equity that I've gained in this flat from having it for four years is a whole other deposit in itself so you can actually gain from buying that home now in the long run. And when you are ready to buy with your partner or get married, etc., you actually have a lot more to, to offer and bring to the table just from taking that first step. So that's, that's what I would recommend because that's what I've done. And, and I, I can see the benefit of doing it. Thank you very much. Um, can I ask you what, did you have any bad surprises during this buying process or like in your, you know, buying your second home or, you know, any mistakes you've made, because yeah. it's quite a, it can be quite a complicated process. It can be quite challenging. There's lots of ups and downs, especially when, you know, potentially you have the money, but you can't find a home or you find yeah. a home, you, you don't manage to save enough money. And then there's, you know, all these things happening in, in the middle. It can become, you know, quite emotional and it can take a lot of time. So if we can avoid like these early mistakes, <laughs> that'd be fun. Yeah, I, I've had a few. <laughs> I think well, the first the first one is the, my impatience. I'm naturally an impatient person, <laughs> which it, it, sometimes it's good because it keeps me driven, but other times, you know, it can lead you into scenarios or places that you could have avoided. So my impatience meant that I was very much I need to find a house now, now, now. And I was kind of swaying towards just anything to almost desperation. And because of that, it meant that I was very rigid on the areas that I was looking in, which limited the amount of house I could get. So I was very much limiting myself in terms of this is, only, this is the only place I want to live, which then meant I could only find a one bed apartment in that price bracket so to speak and that was a mistake because actually the moment I finally opened up the areas I found this flat which is like double the size of most of the properties I was looking at and I could have easily ended up buying um, one of them in particular which was also something that I learned from very early on is one of the properties which was a, a new build 
one bedroom flat. It looked perfect outside, but it was tiny inside. But again, my desperation and my impatience was telling me, it's amazing, go for it. So I put an offer in. And what happens is when you put an offer in, your lender that has given you your mortgage and principal, they will send around a a surveyor, somebody to go over there and value it and make sure that what you've offered is the right amount of money for that property. Well, that wasn't the case. I remember being at a work meeting and getting missed calls from my mortgage broker and then calling him in the toilet and him telling me um, that's not going to work out. You know, it's been valued £20,000 less than what you've offered. And I remember crying in the toilet because I really got emotionally attached to it. And I advise you not to do that. Don't do that. Don't get emotionally attached and start putting your furniture in places because you don't know if it's yours yet. And I did that, you know. And of course, when that happens, they will say to you, if you want that flat, we don't advise you to to pay that. But if you want it, you need to find that 20 grand yourself, which of course I didn't have. So I had to leave that one. And that was really heartbreaking at the time. Now, when I look back, I'm so grateful that happened because I would have been struggling in that space. You know, I wouldn't have had a spare room to work from. I would have outgrown it very, very quickly and I would have probably regretted buying it. So patience is key and don't get emotionally attached and don't be rigid on, you know, the area. I know a lot of people say they really want to live in London, which I completely understand. I'm from London, born in London, lived in London my whole life up until university. I now have bought just outside of London in Essex. And I honestly, I don't think I would go back because I've benefited from moving out here, being able to afford it, lifestyle, and I I haven't had to struggle each month. And if you're somebody who is dead set on living in London, fish around. Maybe you want to look at certain areas you haven't looked at before that are slightly more affordable for you. And maybe you should go on a viewing outside of London just to see what it's really like. Because a lot of Londoners, I have to put my hand up, we're in a bubble. We don't know anything else. So maybe have a look and see what else is there. (laughs) Thank you, Jade. I love it. (laughs) And so now what's you know what are you doing now so you're on your route to buy your your second property you are what we call like a property influencer i love it it. you're (laughs) an homeowner uh so you're trying to empower people you know get on the property ladder but you're also doing a lot on the interior uh design and, and decoration so you know, we, I guess it's a step by step. So you manage to afford your property. Then, you know, I don't like the term, but basically you're, you know, you're broke again because you, you put all my, your money into your property. So you need to, to work again on your savings. <laughs> uh, so can you decorate your home in an affordable manner? What are, you know, your, like a few, a few tips and we should all definitely, you know, follow you on your, on your YouTube channel and Instagram for your tips, but how do you do it? Yeah. I mean, I love, decorating on a budget because that that's what I did. I didn't have a big um, budget. So everything was very like thought out. Things that I would recommend that a lot of people don't know is when you go furniture shopping, a lot of stores often have an X display section where I get a lot of my furniture because they're pieces that have been on display and often there's nothing wrong with them, but they're like half price. So that's somewhere to start. <laughs> and what I did before even going and buying, that's not true. I did buy things before I bought a home actually. And I did store them in my mum's garage. Um, But we'll ignore those bits. When I actually moved (laughs) in and I was um, decorating, I wrote a list for each room of all the things I would need for each room in in the flat. And then I would sort of say, okay, 
for this month, these are the things I can buy. I'll buy those things next month and so on. And I was just looking for bargains. I would look for the X-Display stuff. I would look in sales. I would look online. I would look on eBay. Um, eBay, I found, I found so many things. And um, even furniture auctions. So there are so many places you can find really good brands um, for really good prices, actually. And there isn't really anything wrong with them, but there's just there's always an outlet. If they're returned items and things like that, you can get them a lot cheaper. Great. So, so yeah, so I, I am very much determined in helping everyone get on the property ladder, but I think there's an area of people not really talking enough about what happens after that as well. And I try to kind of merge the two. Fantastic. We'll definitely check your Jed Van Riel, your YouTube, YouTube channel. I'll post all the links uh, in the episode. And actually, do you have any favorite resources for people who want to, you know, learn a little bit more about the home home buying process or maybe websites or podcasts books that that you like and you could recommend yeah so i think a great place is well everyone is talking about home buying on youtube these days when i started it was something that was never talked about but there is so much content on youtube actually of people sharing their experiences there's a really good uh twitter and instagram account called property cohort which are great they keep you up to date on property news etc money supermarket there is a lot of information there where you can compare savings accounts you can compare mortgages and and so on and i think those places are really good to start but ultimately google's your best friend if there's anything you don't know you can find everything out on google which i'm sure everyone knows but you can and i think it's it's not as hard as it it comes across and it's not impossible either i think it's just about just searching those things that you you don't understand and then just getting getting to know the process a bit better. Yeah, and learn and learn the jargon. Like what exactly. are the main terms and once you, you know this then you know yeah. you're ready. Yes. Okay, finally what we, we always do on Vespod is like secret money diaries. So today it's not secret, but <laughs> I want you to we want to know you a bit a bit better and understand your financial habits. So I have like five short questions for you. Uh, what are your top three financial goals? First goal is buying another home uh, house next year. I want a house with great space, which of course is expensive. So I'm saving for that right now. Second thing is I would like to pay off my car that I took out two years ago, just be completely debt free in all senses. And the third thing is I would like to have 50 grand in my account by the age of 30, just sitting there. <laughs> so I've got three years. Emergency, big emergency yeah. fund. <laughs> What's the, the like best financial decision ever? Buying my home, the best. Yep. Putting all of my savings into my house because what I put in, I'm going to receive a lot more than that when I, if I sell it or take out equity, etc. So that was actually a great financial decision. Yeah. Great investment. Yes. And were your worst financial decision ever? Worst financial decision would be spending my savings at such a young age. If I had just stuck at it, I would have so much more money right now. <laughs> but yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what is financial independence for you? It looks to me being able to afford to travel um, regularly as and when I like being able to give to others religiously and you know on a monthly basis regularly and, and it not affecting me in any way being able to 
not pay certain things monthly and just pay them off for the year. Those are the kinds of things that I'm aiming for. And as I'm now self-employed as well is living very comfortably and being able to really save in in a really good way for my future as a self-employed person. And finally, what are the things you spend the most money on? <laughs> food. <laughs> I spend a lot of money on food. It used to be clothing, but not so much anymore. It's definitely food. I'm like, I go with how I feel each day, which is really bad financially, but I, I love eating. Yeah. Jade, thank you so much for your time today. Um, how can people find out more about you? Yes, yeah, so you can find me, Jade Van Riel, on everything on Instagram, on YouTube and on Twitter. I don't just talk about property. I also talk about interiors and lifestyle. And I also have a series called Move with Jade where I showcase different properties on the market for first-time buyers that they can buy. So yes, you can look for my name across all of those platforms. Fantastic. And you'll come back on the podcast when you buy your second home, please. Yes. And I'll share all of the details about that and the journey. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jade. Have a good day. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a couple of seconds to rate it on your favorite podcast platform. Also, don't forget to join our community on Instagram and Facebook and to subscribe to our newsletter on vespot.com. Feel free to email me with your comments and questions over at emily at vespot.com. Thank you. Speak to you soon. I also wanted to let you know that we are not financial advisors. So the articles, the information made available on vespot.com and in this podcast are provided just for educational purposes and do not constitute financial advice. So make sure you consult with an independent financial advisor for advice on your specific circumstances. Thank you. Thank you.